guys, what's up? Ah, I just got back from a leadership conference and I just want to share some things with you because it's really going to show up in the podcast. So I want you to know what's new and to kind of understand the direction I'm going in. So I kind of realized that it's so important to allow yourself to be a beginner, right? And to celebrate trying and not just celebrate succeeding. And this is super important for us because we need to exemplify it for those that we work with and for those that we serve. So this podcast has been somewhere where I've stepped out of my comfort zone and I have allowed myself to be a beginner, right? And you guys have seen that and thank you for sticking with me. So we are at 20 something, 26, 27 episodes. And, you know, the podcast was really fun at first. And I was just worried about, I need to get a guest on. I need to get some content. I need to make sure I'm covering different perspectives. So I was excited when I was getting guests and I was excited when, you know, a judge would say yes, or I could get the perspective of a case manager of a former foster youth. So I was just happy with that. But I started to realize that my podcasts were sounding super lame, like just the same. And I was like, hi, everyone. On today's podcast, we're going to have this guest. And that's not how I want to sound. That's not even me right? Like I'm full of energy. I'm excited. I'm stoked to do this work. I want people to understand how the community can play an active role in the lives of these children. And I, it isn't boring. It doesn't need to be boring. So the guest content has been great, but you know, when you start something out and it's kind of like the same blah, 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 if people aren't being authentic, then you kind of want to check out, at least I do, because I can smell fake from a file, from a I can smell fake from a mile away and it turns me off. So I want, the reason why this is so important and that it's not about me is I want everyone to be their authentic self because we are telling kids that they're good enough just the way they are. We're telling kids that they have inherent worth and that they are beautiful and that they matter exactly the way they are. And so if we don't believe it about ourselves, if we don't show up and try and be a beginner and allow ourselves to suck at something and then practice and practice and get better, then we are not showing these kids that they matter. Because if we don't think we matter, if we don't think that we um, are worth trying something new, if we don't think that we can show up and be our authentic selves and that that's good enough, then these kids will smell that from a mile away and they won't pour into themselves because you're not leading by example. So I truly believe that the single most important thing that we can do for this world, for others, for the kids that we serve, is to dedicate our time, our lives to being the best version of ourselves. And that comes with vulnerability, a lot of trying and a lot of failing. It comes with not worrying what other people think. Big issue for me. A lot of the reason I was being kind of stale and in a box on this podcast is because how do you learn how to do something? 
You go research podcasts, right? And you're like, okay, they do this. They have this interview style. And that's great. That's research. But then you start copying them too much. You lost your unique edge. You lost why people love you for you. And so now you're boring and you're stale because you're not living in your authentic self. Okay. So it takes a lot of vulnerability, a lot of trying, hearing yourself and going, Oh, I don't like that. And then saying, well, what that, what's that about? And then realizing that you typically say things like, Hey guys, but you didn't want to say that on your podcast because guys is a patriarchal term and you're afraid somebody might get mad. And then you do some real soul searching and you realize, do you want to be yourself or do you want to be what everybody told you to be? And being yourself is okay. You can say guys on your podcast, okay? You can say, hey guys, and people will love you more for it. It's just there's so much pressure in the world right now to be within the parameters of everybody else's opinion, right? Especially if you're running a business, but just in general, you know you're going to piss somebody off, right? You know you're going to offend somebody. But if you are not unapologetically you, then you're really not helping anyone. You're just being what the world wants you to be. And I'll tell you, there's no way to be that because there's too many conflicting angles. So I I get like the whole be yourself thing is like eye roll. We get it. We know we should all be ourselves, but are we really being ourselves? Are we authentically showing up? Are we nervous of what people think when we have an opinion or what people think for what we stand for? And do we notice ourselves trying to conform a little bit? I heard this awesome thing that was the opposite of courage is not fear, it's conformity. And that hit me in my soul because I feel like I'm such an, you know, extrovert and I'm out there and I'm ready to pave the way and make this new program and help people understand things and be a trailblazer. But the truth is I start to get a little, I want everybody to like me. I want, I I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. And the truth is if you're not getting some criticism, then you're not succeeding enough because if you get enough of an audience Somebody will criticize you. And this didn't come from any criticism, but I was criticizing myself. I didn't like how I sounded on the podcast. I didn't really want to listen to my own podcast. And I felt like I wanted to be real. I want to be authentic and I want to bring you my passion and my love for this work. I want to inspire you guys to to do the same thing, to serve your families, serve your communities, serve the kids that are in your programs better. And I just knew that I was holding back a lot on that. So this is going to be my new uh, format. I'm going to come out with a little tidbit of something if I have it for you. Um, You know, some value, some approach that I think is really important in our work with this population, with foster and adopted kids, with um, nonprofits with community-based organizations and, and let you know that my heart is in it, that I'm still working, that I'm still figuring it out. And I will be vulnerable because self-awareness is the key to this work. It's why I have my blog, Aligned Climb. Uh, I started that blog because I need to stay accountable to purpose. If I am not digging into the parts of myself that are hurt, that are wounded, that are scared, then I will not 
realize my potential in leading people, in being the best person, in being the person that God intended me to be. So we have a lot of looking in the mirror to do in this work. And if you're not digging in to yourself and understanding your ways and why you do what you do and your habits and what's serving you and what's not, then you won't serve the kids as well. And you also won't show up for people in your life as much as you could. And when you do work up, when you do your work, it frees people up to do their work. So the first 20 something episodes of this podcast was me trying something new and me being okay with sucking at something new. And I feel like I'm ready to move into the whatever is just above sucking and bring you guys good content and keep going with this. So I really just want to thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable. I feel safe with this audience, um, allowing me to suck in taking from what this podcast you've been able to get. And I commit myself to always becoming more self-aware, always getting better so that I can serve more and more people better so that you can show up and actually have it be fun for you as well. Okay, so for today's show, we have Pamela Bress, who is the founder and the executive director of Ready for Life Brevard. She actually serves children who are aging out of foster care. And it was her years of being an attorney and being the appointed attorney for children who were aging out that she just realized they didn't have enough resources to be on their own, like any kid at 18, right? But uh, she really saw the need for these kids to get education, to get mentorship, to be able to get jobs, to have money, to have a car, transportation, food, apartments, all of that stuff. So she was like, we need to get these kids served and we need to give them the resources that they need so that they can be healthy adults in this world. And eventually their children, hopefully, will not enter into care. So another amazing service that is helping kids kind of break this generational cycle, right? So she is super on fire for these kids and her program's so amazing. I talked to her a little bit about, you know, getting the model written out so that people can open these. You know, I would love I'm a big thinker, big visionary, and I would love to see kids going through the Stable Moments program, and then when they hit 17, 18, being handed off to a Ready for Life program where they have a mentor there and they get to work on things that are more related to, you know, jobs and education and really wrapping around these kids in a lifelong uh, type of way. So super stoked for you guys to hear about her program. Here we go. Hi, I'm Rebecca Britt, and this is the Stable Moments Podcast, the show where we discuss all things related to the foster care system and early childhood trauma, from foster parents, trauma experts, former foster kids, and beyond. We'll take a deep dive into the complexities of the foster care crisis in an effort to better understand how to fix it. Well, thank you so much, Pamela, for being on the podcast. I'm really excited. We actually haven't had a podcast yet on aging out of foster care. And I know that that's a huge, it feels like just the foster care crisis alone is underrepresented Mm -hmm. in an underserved population. So people are just starting 
I feel like just starting to really learn about this foster care crisis. And we talk all the time about getting foster homes for kids and being able to serve kids that are actually in foster care. But a lot of people don't know the sad truth of what happens when a kid ages out of foster care and what that even means. So if you can start by just telling us a little bit about your background and what got you involved in serving children who have or are aging out of foster care. Sure. Um, my name is Pamela Brass, and I've been an attorney for 31 years. Um, AB rated, which means um, I do a pretty good job at it. And the reason I think I do a good job is because I care about what I do. I'm very passionate about um, advocacy and especially for those that are underserved, such as youth, uh, people with special needs. <clears throat> about me personally, I'm married. I just celebrated 26 years, uh, July 8th. And wow. we have three daughters. Our oldest is Elizabeth. She's 25. And I originally was never having kids because I was a workaholic, we worked in a big firm. And I was just gonna, you know, be that that lawyer who just works herself to death. And then voila, I met Mr. <laughs> Brass and <laughs> um, I had my first child in my thirties. So I was later to, to ch you know, having children and she was born with special needs. So that was uh, a game changer for me in my life personally. Um, mm -hmm. I became an advocate for those with special needs because I had a daughter that they said wouldn't read, write, or tie her shoes at 15 months. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's not happening because I know she's smart. I can look in her eyes and I know she's smart. It's, she just doesn't talk. So that, that can't be true. And so my husband and I made it, uh, one of our missions was that we were gonna give her the uh, no ceiling. And she graduated from the biggest public school in Brevard County, Florida uh, with a regular diploma using accommodations and uh, through advocacy from the time she was 15 months old. Uh, and I never met a teacher that we didn't get along with because we were our partners. And I'll advocate to the ends of the earth for the public school system when the parents work together with the teachers. It's amazing what can what, what can be accomplished. It's teamwork. But anyway, she was also the prom queen of Melbourne High School. So oh, hey, wow. 92% of the votes. She was on the <laughs> swim team. Um, everybody cheered for her, including the other teams we were competing against, because it was a testimony to um, strength. And so anyway, about 10 years, 11 years ago, um, I was offered a job at Brevard County Legal Aid because I was a volunteer there for years in their legal aid clinic. And they said, hey, we have an opening in family law. Would you uh, want, you know, uh, the position? And I said, you know, I'll take it because I love legal aid. I love working with, and legal aid represents um, adults and children who are under, you know, economically disadvantaged and those that are in foster care, the youth that are in foster care. So anyway, I started off as family law, domestic violence, foreclosure defense, and I was quickly moved into dependency law, which is foster care. And that is how I got to know the plight of youth aging out of foster care. Um, Brevard County Legal Aid had a grant and we were appointed as the attorney for the young, the youth aging out from teenage, you know, from 14 and up, we were appointed to those youth that were most likely going to age out of foster care. And I saw the crisis um, and I lived the crisis with my clients for the past 10 years. 
And I can. And what's that legal aid? So if you're appointed to a kid that's um, aging out of foster care, what what are you fighting for? Well, when you're you're fighting for housing, where are you going to live? You're fighting for wait. They don't have their education done. They're still in high school, or they don't have their GED. Uh, wait, they don't have a driver's license. How are they going to so survive? So you're representing them against the state. Well, it's not really against the state, but um, I I can't say that I haven't had oppositional points in court. Um, but we try to all work together, and it is a in defense of foster care systems across the nation, it's a complex problem. Um, mm -hmm. You're trying, the state is trying to come in and, and be a family to this child that has been removed, right? Because, mm -hmm. And they've been, due to trauma, neglect or abandonment. So that is a very complex issue, complex problems. There's always, you know, generally trauma uh, issues, mental health issues, educational issues, all kinds of things, right? So, but I'm there, okay, what's your plan? Where are you gonna go? How are your life skills? Where are you at with your education? So I've had to ad advocate for special needs um, youth because they don't, when they age out, what are they gonna do? They don't have a job, they don't have employment. So uh, where are they gonna live? So it got to the point where I felt personally having to do a lot of social work you know, on top of legal work, because there was nobody really, there, there's not enough power and um, in the, or funding or whatever to have targeted case managers for every youth, you know? So <clears throat> anyway, um, it was on my heart that there's got to be some transitional housing in our county, and there there isn't. And there's got to be uh, continued help with education, more more handholding and coming alongside, and um, that's how Ready for Life really uh, was born. The landscape has changed in the last year for housing, and it's changed because the um, the Housing and Urban Development, um, everybody knows it as HUD, part of the federal government that does what used to be called Section Eight. It's now Housing Choice Vouchers. Um, they never existed for youth aging out. Um, very, I mean, in, in our county, the wait list for Section 8 housing housing choice is, is in the thousands, and it's, you know, almost eight years, years. Yeah, so there, there wasn't affordable housing options for them. I don't think most people, including myself, realize that. There's no set up transitional housing for them where you're aging out at 18 and then you can go like to a dorm like setting or, you know, your own apartment where people are supervising and helping. It, it doesn't exist, you know. So just think about your own child going off to college or trying to leave the nest at 18. You just don't start asking, well, what are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> you know, um, where are you going to go? What, you know, who are you going to live with? How are you going to do it? Um, so especially in our county, it's big. Um, not having a driver's license is a huge problem, and our public transit is not very good. It doesn't run on Sundays, and it doesn't run after 6 or 6.30, and it, it's spaced out hours between pickups. I mean, who can function on that with a job and trying to get to college? And so there's a lot of issues faced by <clears throat> youth aging out, and I always thought we need something. We need a central place where they can come and get 
the help with the mental health, the help with connections to housing, and now doing this Foster Youth Independence uh, Voucher Program, which started in July of 2019. Thanks to HUD and Ben Carson, props to them because it is changing the landscape of, of our country and how we can help um, youth aging out of foster care. So uh, I'm really excited about that. The need is there, but it's not just putting them in into um, affordable housing and it's what about how are they going to succeed in that housing? How's their mental health? How's their education? Do they have an supportive adult who's walking alongside them as answering questions, checking in on them like a mentor? Um, how's, or do they have enough money for food? Are they employed? Do they drive? Do they need help? All of those issues. Well, you can't ask a youth at 18 to run around the entire county and try to figure that out. It's not going to happen. It wouldn't happen for adults. It's, it's overwhelming. So Ready for Life is a drop-in center that we have all of those wraparound services on site, accessibility. We help them get the housing. We have an educational lab where we're working um, with the GED Fast Track program where they can get their GED in five weeks. Small class, therapeutic, only six at a time with tutors. Um, we're starting that in September. We've got tutors to help with their high school diploma or um, college classes we're actively tutoring. We have a pantry closed closet. We have, um, we're working on getting a mental health counselor on site. Uh, I'm, I'm turning every stone. <laughs> and um, we've got a collaboration with Brevard County Legal Aid, my former employer, to have access to an attorney twice a month here at Legal Aid. Right now it'll be Zoom, but um, we're working on doing you know, legal uh, trainings on like credit repair and negotiating contracts, anything that the youth say that they need. I love that. So, so going back so that everybody can kind of understand the experience of what aging out is, does every kid that's in foster care that's ready to age out get someone appointed to them to understand their like age out transition or their, what is the process? Okay, that's a great question. Um, at least in Florida, and you know, every state is different, but in Florida sure. and in particular our county, we tried to have that legislated that every attorney, every child aging out of licensed care at 18 gets an attorney, but that's not the case. Um, so it's really the fortunate ones that a judge feels they need an attorney and they all need an attorney. Um, usually it's the ones that have a lot of problems, you know, um, people don't realize that if you're aging out of licensed foster care at 18, 90% have juvenile justice issues, 90%. 71% of the females by the time they're 21 have at least one child. Okay, we have three pregnant clients and we just opened up in January. We have uh, two that have children already. One is 18 and has a seven month old. She aged out seven months pregnant. We have another one that's 21 with two little boys. Um, so I could go on. All right, we're living that statistic, okay? Um, also, but if they age out at 18, most of them have had at least five or six placements. Okay, what does that mean? There are major gaps in education. 
Just think mm -hmm. of your own child moving multiple times to multiple schools. A lot of them drop out, okay? Only mm -hmm. less than 50% age out with a high school diploma. Only 3% ever get a, a college degree. Even though if they age out of licensed care in Florida, it's free tuition till they're 28. That's a problem, right? <clears throat> they get free tuition because they've given, been given dealt bad cards in their life, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not even accessing it. Why? Because they don't have affordable housing. Their mental health is not addressed. They have major educational gaps. So they're not even accessing things that are available because their critical resources are not being met. And that's the whole point of Ready for Life. We want to get them to access that education. We want them to get jobs, improve their salary capabilities. And the only way to do that is to address their education. So it's, this is across the board national statistics. These are all supported by the Ann Casey Foundation. These can all be verified. The, this national statistics of um, youth that age out of foster care, it is, it's critical. The 25% walk out the door at 18 and do not have a place to live. That's 25% becoming homeless instantly. 50% um, of the homeless adult population across the country, 50% were in foster care. 70% of the death row inmates were in foster care. There's a problem that's not being addressed. And thank God it's now at the forefront of, of our country and in, and in our state. So if a kid doesn't get a an attorney appointed to them, is it just, you know, that you're getting kicked out of your foster home at 18 and it's your birthday and you're going to celebrate by packing your stuff? Well, there is extended foster. There's laws that um, changed in 2014 in Florida that extended foster care to the age of 21 if they don't have disabilities till they're 22 if they do they can stay in extended foster care and they will get help towards rent and they'll get an allowance, right? Um, $200 a month allowance. But they have to be in school or they have to have a, at least a part-time job or they have to be in a work program, but they have to find their housing. So that's mm. an issue. Um, most foster homes, um, first of all, there's not a lot of foster homes that take in teens. It's a difficult mm -hmm. You know, it's a difficult population. People are nervous. Um, mm -hmm. And we just don't have um, an abundance of, of teen homes. Um, a few, a few uh, foster homes, if they're in a foster home, might allow them to stay there past 18. But that, in my experience of the last 10 years, that's, that's not generally the case. So mm -hmm. the group homes aren't keeping them. Um, so they have to go out and find their place to live. They have to eat, enter into a shared living arrangement with somebody, find a room in a house, or they have to find an apartment. And I, I can speak to Brevard County. You can't find uh, a, a affordable apartments. And especially if you're 18 with no credit and you don't have twice the rent amount in income, you're not getting an apartment, generally not unless you find willing landlords who are willing to, to do that. So it really is a very difficult situation. 
for the youth aging out. A lot of them couch surf, you know, and that just doesn't last longer than a few weeks or months. And then they realize, oh gosh, now what? Um, they can, even a lot of them at 18 say, I am done and it's their choice. I'm done with mm -hmm. the system. I've had enough of everybody. I don't trust anybody. I'm out of here. I'm taking off. I can do it on my own. And they can't. Uh, I can't tell you how many clients I've seen go to jail within weeks mm -hmm. or months of their 18th birthday, thinking they could do it. So they can come back and reapply. But once again, they have to be working or in school or in a work program. And they have to find a place to live. So it's difficult. You can imagine that's very hard to do. Generally, um, I think the, the, the national average of who's had a job by the time they're 24, a lot of them have not even had a job. So you can right. imagine, you don't have savings, you, you know, uh, bank accounts. It's, it's really difficult. So if we have foster parents that listen to this uh, podcast and <clears throat> they're trauma-informed, at least somewhat, if they're listening to this podcast, but are there resources for foster parents that say like, hey, I don't want to just kick this kid out mm -hmm. um, and I want help to help them make a really healthy transition into adulthood. Are there resources that either the state provide or community-based organizations provide so that those foster parents can kind of be engaged in this process of making a transition plan that everybody can feel good about? The thing with that is there's always resources here or there. And the problem is connection, right? Knowing where they are, how do you get to them? Who do I call? What's available? Um, there are some amazing foster homes <clears throat> that the, the youth stay with. I mean, we are, we're partnered up, Ready for Life Brevard, partnered up with the Brevard Youth Leadership Council, which is <clears throat> an independent council created out of um, Brevard Family Partnerships, um, you know, child welfare system. They hired a consultant Angela Oliver Burgess, she's amazing. Um, she works with Smile for Budgie to empower youth in foster care, teens that wanna change the system, to uh, use voice and choice to advocate for change in the system. Um, I got, I became familiar with it. <clears throat> I started going to their monthly meetings and um, I joined one of their committees to find mentors for youth aging out. They said, we need mentors. We need quality foster homes um, that will take, you know, teens. We need normalcy in the foster homes that we could do abnormal lives. And um, we need uh, housing. And so they came up with this mission statement with the help of Angela um, Oliver Burgess, and they run the monthly meetings. They have committees. And I became uh, a member of their pilot mentor committee. And uh, that's when I was at legal aid. And then when I left and co-founded Ready for Life, they, they moved the pilot mentor program to Ready for Life. Uh, but that was originated through the voice and choice of our, our youth leaders who are trying to change the system um, using their voices. <clears throat> so it sounds like if 
foster parents really want to figure it all out. Like there's nothing there. You've got to go and sit on these committees. You've got to go figure out where your resources are. You've got to go talk to people. You have to have a really good network of just knowing, you know, with other foster parents, what did you do? What does this service provide? And really get close affiliation with your community-based organizations, wherever you are to figure out your resources. Cause I've, I've, just worked with so many, um, so many foster parents and adoptive parents, even that like they're so rural um, that the resources just aren't there. And just like the connection or the those um, committees that you're talking about. But I do know when I was in Georgia, there were a couple that you could sit on that would just be you know everybody that's serving kids in the community, any organization at all. They all got together for a meeting once a month. So you could pitch whatever your issue was and people could help you out and you could network. Um, but yeah, I can't speak enough to networking and seeing what's out there because the more you talk to people, the more you find out. I mean, even these vouchers that you're talking about, did HUD have a good plan for how youth in foster care or aging out were going to access the vouchers? Well, they have, they have uh, their webinars are excellent. And um, they're working closely with uh, Ruthie White of the National Center for uh, Housing and Child Welfare. She is amazing. And myself and Betsy Farmer, um, one of our board members at Ready for Life Brevard, who's with our local housing authority, we're on speed dial with her. So they, they, they have really good um, webinars about how to start, like how to get a housing authority on board with child welfare, to do a memorandum of understanding, to start to work together to get these vouchers for these youth. The key though of the Foster Youth Independence Initiative is you have to have quality services available for the youth so that they succeed. Wow, now the local housing authority has to say, they have to certify that there's services available to help them succeed. And they list okay. the services, life skills, GED, mental health. You know, it goes, it's exactly supportive adults. So to have them all over the place and to say, you could go here, you could go there, you could go here. First of all, people, that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. And foster parents usually have more than one child under their roof how who can run around and do all that right is very very difficult um if not impossible so <clears throat> when i when i was uh advocating for youth over the 10-year period i was getting so frustrated myself because i'd go to court and i'd advocate for mental health i'd advocate for things and then the referrals and then we'd have a change of of uh placement and caseworker you know it's just life right and it's still not addressed this isn't addressed and no, it's through no fault. I don't want to point fingers. It's a hard job and the system mm -hmm. is overwhelmed and underfunded. So that's where our community needs to step in. We need, but it needs to be an integrated uh, community. And through the years of being here, I've been in our county since 1995 uh, through coaching Special Olympics and coaching mock trial at the high school and working at legal aid, you know, soccer coach, I can go on. I got to know a lot of people, not only 
I also know people in the legal community. So I've got networks that I'm, you know, I can reach out to and stuff like that. But we really needed a central location where youth could come and get everything under one roof. So I kept saying, does anybody do this? And I was at a consumer law conference, I'll never forget, June of 2019. And I said, I was sitting at a table in Orlando and I was having lunch with a group of attorneys. And I said, does anybody know if anybody's helping youth aging out of foster care? I mean, I'm, I'm so frustrated. And this attorney piped up and he said, you gotta go to Ready for Life in Pinellas County. I, I volunteer there. Um, they have legal aid goes there. Um, they have mental health. They have, a, you know, a pantry and an educational lab. I said, really? How come I've never heard of this? So I literally got back to my office um, and that attorney sent me the contact. I called Kathy Mize at Ready for Life in Pinellas, the director. We talked for over an hour. I was like, I found my people. I found my people. And she invited uh, me to come visit. And I brought a team. I brought my current partner, Corey Duncan, who's our director of com communications here and mentor program and volunteers and many hats. Um, I said, do you wanna go over? She's a dear friend of mine. Do you wanna go over to Pinellas and check this place out? She said, I'd love to. I brought a lawyer from Legal Aid with me, my associate that I worked with, uh, Valida Cameron. And then I brought Betsy Farmer from the Housing Authority. I said, Betsy, you wanna go over and check out what they're doing in, in Pinellas? We went there for two days. We immersed ourselves. We followed them around. We met their clients. And we all got in the car, drove three hours back and said, how are we gonna make this happen in Brevard County? That was in September of, of um, no, it was August or September of 2019. And here we are, it's, uh, you know, it's almost a year and we did it. We uh, ended up getting space donated. We have so many community partners that believe in what we're doing. Um, Brevard Health Alliance is our safety net for healthcare for people that are, um, you know, poverty level uh, or uninsured. They take care of the people that could not afford insurance. Um, they had space available in, 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 right next to their pediatric urgent care that they weren't using. And Betsy Farmer uh, knew the, the outgoing CEO and they all talked and said, we want you guys to do this. You can have the space for a year and a half. So we, we had space given to us. And that to me was, I felt called to, to quit my job and to start Ready for Life Brevard. I literally gave notice October, of, uh, October 1st of 2019, told my boss, I'm, I gotta do this. Um, called to do this. It's been on my heart for 10 years. And we incorporated in October. Uh, we got our 501c3 nonprofit designation from the IRS November. And we moved into the space, 3,600 square feet of drop-in space uh, in January 4th of 2020. And since that day, we are up to 30 clients already. And that's- That's awesome. Yeah. So- um, does Ready for Life Pinellas have anything to do with Ready for Life, meaning like they were fine with sharing their model and then you incorporating on your own and all of that? Yeah, they were, first of all, they, they had been approached by um, several other counties because they're in their 11th year 
and they have amazing statistics. They actually, as of November of 2019, they had 110 children born to their clients, you know, youth having babies, young adults having babies that did not go into the system. That is a huge statistic because that's breaking a generational, you know, situation, right? I have some clients that are third generation foster care. Their parents were in foster care and their parents' parents were in foster care. So when I heard that statistic, they have mommy and me class there. They have um, youth specialists that meet with every single client that comes in and they make a success plan. Um, they have an on-site mental health counselor there, trauma-informed certified, trauma-informed care certified, four, four days a week, full-time. Um, they have an Do you know if they're interested in, because as you're saying this, like, so with Stable Moments, I, I it's a mentorship program as well. It uses equine-assisted learning for kids that are in foster care, have early developmental trauma to develop life skills to hopefully they go on and um, transition healthily into being an adult. But I realized that I could serve a lot more kids by developing the model and franchising it, basically licensing the model out to places you know throughout the U.S. and and other countries. So it just seems like this is so right for um, the model being developed into something that people can do in other states and other counties and really having ready for life be this model for how we transition you know, kids from aging out to being successful members of society. And, um, and also being just accepted and being able to have like a head person that wants to bring on and learn. Because the thing is, is I, I know this with the stable moments model, it was hell building the wheel. Right. Like I, I know that it's hard getting these things off the ground, but if you can say like, we've done it, like Ready for Life and Pinellas did for you and say, here's the manual and you know, and we'll consult with you on getting yours up and running, then I just, I don't know, I'm personally like a real global thinker. So every time I'm like, we can serve 30, I'm like, we can serve 30,000, you know? Right. So um, do you see that in, in the possibility for Ready for Life or in your vision or in, in Pinellas County's vision? Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is, <laughs> I was so tortured for 10 years representing these youth that um, I, I was trying to convince my engineer husband, can we buy a house and like get rooms and rent some rooms and, and put somebody around? And he's like, no, you're thinking small. You've got to think bigger. You could touch more people if you, if you know that what works and train people how to yeah you know, you build it, they will come and you prove yourself, but you can't do one. You're doing one by one, taking each kid and trying to figure out, but you, you, there's a better way, Pam. And then I found ready for life and it is the better way. And they have been absolutely fabulous. Not only did I, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I've lost you. There we are. Um, not only did I go there that one time for two straight days, I went back two more days and I, I, I participated in their mentor training. I um, met with the director again and, and the mental health person again. And, and I got a really good vision from their vision. They also helped us with our website. 
they mentor us, they answer our questions. But when we approached them, they said other counties had done the same thing, but nobody ever kept going. They were like, wow, what are you doing? And we like what you're doing. We went over there, we said, we like what you're doing. And we came back and we said, okay, all right, how do we do it? Can we just like be an affiliate? And then they said, no, you need to be an independent. They went to their board. They have a really strong, good board. They said, you need to do your own 501c3, have your own insurance, you're your own corporation. We are basically a mentor relationship and it has worked out really well. Um, like we could call well, them- they could, If they could hone that, use you as a, you know, as a pilot and hone that training where they develop it and they license it and they offer that training for a cost and people can get grants to get them to train them and they become consultants. I, um, it can be additional revenue for them or for you if that's appropriate. Um, even though they mentored you just because, or maybe you have those conversations with them just because, um, obviously they don't have time while they're running all of their programming to mentor everybody to do to do it as well in other counties but um it could be a really big thing and it just seems like their model is so Mm -hmm. honed in on exactly what we need Mm -hmm. and it takes it takes somebody willing to go in and actually want to make all the connections and have connections you know you being an attorney and being where you were in your county matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, it got you to be able to make the connections you needed to make this successful. And obviously you driving over with a team and all of that showed Pinellas County that you were like super serious um, and that you you could do this. So, but yeah, I just, I'm like, we need to, we need to replicate this program across the US mm-hmm. and I, I encourage you to have those conversations with Pinellas to figure out how we can do that because um, because we really, really need it. And it's not an easy position because, because people would have to figure out all of those connections and all of those pieces, education, housing, mental health, um, so what you're doing is incredible. Um, and I just, I see a big vision for it. I am futuristic, so it might just be, <laughs> it just be me, but. Well, I think that you're like-minded with Ready for Life Pinellas because it has been on their vision and heart to expand because they know what they're doing. They know it's making a difference and they know it's impactful. I love it. I absolutely love it. So tell us about one of your, your top success stories. Mm. All right, let's see. I got two that come to mind, but I probably could go on. Um, We had a referral from our local child welfare um, agency. The The young adult had aged out of complete, even extended foster care. 21 years old, had, um, was human trafficked out of a, out of a group home barely survived it, came back into foster care, ended up, she's two little boys. She was, through perseverance and absolute strength, she's unbelievable. She was able to get into some housing, wasn't really safe, much safe, so she needed 
new housing, and that's how she was referred to us for this new voucher, the FYI voucher, Foster Youth Independence Voucher. So she came in for that. I sat with her for like four hours. We went through all the paperwork. I printed it out. You know, they don't have printers. They didn't, she didn't have a computer. Everything was on her phone. Um, and so we print out all the paperwork. I sit with her, I answer her questions. I help her assemble her documents, you know, need all the critical documents, your birth certificate, social security card, you know, all those things, um, bank statements if you have a bank account. But we got all through, but meanwhile, I'm asking her, I said, how else can we help you here? Because we can do more than housing. Is there anything else that you need? Well, well, Miss Bress, I'm about to, you know, fail my class in college. If I do, I lose my scholarship. I said, okay, we got tutors. Are you interested in having a tutor? Yes, I am. Okay, anything else? How's your mental health? Thank God I finally found a good therapist. I say, awesome, you're taking care of that. I said, how, what else can we do for you? I would love a mentor. We hooked her up with a mentor an attorney that um, is wanting to mentor and has been through the whole, you know, background check, was waiting for the right person. We found the right person. She got a mentor. Anything else we can help you with? Yes, Ms. Bress. Um, I have no social work, social group. I have a hard time relating. Um, I don't have any friends. I was like, well, all right, let me think about that. Meanwhile, I had done a presentation. This is the beauty of relational connectivity with other organizations. I was invited to LifePoint Church in Palm Bay to do a presentation on what Ready for Life was doing in January or February, February 1st. And after I was done, this young woman who was giving her testimony for the first time, she was in foster care. She went before me, um, absolutely beautiful, amazing testimony, had never spoken in front of public about her six years in foster care and aging out at 18. When I got in my car, I got a text. She's like, Miss Bress, I need to work with you. I feel a purpose in my life. That's what it's all about, right? Yep. So I said, why don't you come to Ready for Life and get a tour? And she said, okay. So she came and it was just one of those crazy chaotic days where somebody, I have donate furniture I want I'm like sure fine you know so next thing you know she's hauling furniture out of a pickup truck into a ready for life because everything in our office is donated but anyway uh I sat down with her after and I said I'm so sorry that was such a chaotic chaotic mess um it's not generally always like this and she said I love it I want to be a part of ready for life so I said you know what I have an idea how would you like to start a social group because I had a client come in and say she has no friends. She doesn't have anybody to talk to. Um, would you be interested? She goes, I'd love it. It is absolutely amazing. Amazing. Um, every week we, we had to go, we were going to do it here in, in person because you have a big family room that could hold up to 50 people. We have couches and tables and games and all that. Uh, we couldn't do it with the COVID. So we went virtual. And we've been doing it for three months. I attend it almost every Wednesday because it's fun. And Corey attends it. Um, but we're up to between 10 and 12 clients coming in Zoom on their phones. So we've got um, just completely out of this young lady coming to get housing help. She's now getting a mentor. She has a mentor. She's getting, she got tutored and went from D's, a D and an F, 
in her two college classes to an A and a B. Wow. So she kept her scholarship. Now she comes here, she got uh, one of the vouchers. She's like our third voucher holder. And she got, we helped her find an apartment. Betsy Farmer uh, reached, out, reached out to some landlords. A landlord met with them. She got her own apartment now and her and her two boys. Uh, we helped her with furniture and furnishings and she's doing fabulous. She's doing fabulous. But you know, isn't that crazy how it, we all, every, so many people had a piece in uh, um, helping her, you know, with her success plan. Yeah. And it's crazy that it's not just the, the, the things and the support. It's like people need a place to belong, to feel like they can even have a reason to do good, right. have a reason right. to keep moving forward. And that social piece just sounds so so important, even though it's, it can seem like, you know, the last thing you think about, or it can seem trivial, but it seems so important to have people to connect to and people that understand you and a place to belong. So. Right. And you know what? It's that you you hit on a point that I forgot, which is probably should have been brought up at the very beginning is that the model at ready for life in Pinellas, which is our model here as we are a sister organization, it is a family. It is a family-like community. We are those supportive adults. It's the place of endless second chances. We've all screwed up. Mm. I'm gonna, you know, I'm 58, gonna be 58, and I can tell you, I don't have enough time today to tell you the screw-ups I've had in my life. But you know what? It's overcoming them. But I had somebody to talk to. I had somebody to call um and say oh geez it's not the end of the world you can get you we can deal with this we could you know i'll help you along here ready for life the endless place of second chances come back we'll start over again you know um that's why you have sunrises it's a new day um there's always consequences for actions and choices but you can overcome your challenges especially when you've got somebody telling you that and walking alongside you. Mm. So it's a, it, it is a family-like atmosphere. If you walk in here, um, our young adults say, wow, this is nice. We like it. Right. So it sounds like it's pretty clear that um, everything that Ready for Life provides, that one of the hopes would be that this helps end the foster care crisis because you're equipping families to stay together, you're equipping parents to be parent, you're equipping people to be self-sustainable, and then they would be able to, if they do have kids someday, keep those kids in their care and teach them some of the things that they've learned here. Is that, right. is that a, a metric for your success? You nailed it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if we can break that generational situation and i can see how it happens i, I guess i'm uh, i am an empath because literally i i could leave the courtroom and my heart hurt mm. physically hurt because i'm like wow this is such a mess where do you go and i can see how people can become hopeless mm. and I'm like how can you have hope in a lot of these situations unless somebody shows you true compassion true compassion like actually wants to help you and i'll tell you what youth know authenticity mm -hmm. they know when somebody really cares because trust is a huge issue and you have to earn trust and when i was appointed on a case 
I never got off the case. Mm -hmm. I don't care. You're 22, 24, 25. Legally, I got off the case because I was discharged, you know, um, at the certain ages. I, I still have contact with clients that I represented years ago. Mm. And that's because I cared. Mm -hmm. They call me Miss Bress. I'm in the honor guard in the army. I made it. Mm. And gosh, we went through a lot of junk together, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's about, it's, it's about relationships and truly caring. And I'll tell you what, ready for life in Pinellas. And we're learning this too. People are coming out of the woodwork to volunteer because there are people that want to help. Mm -hmm. They want to do good things. They want to help other people. That's amazing. So I, I there's, people that listen to this from across the globe, but where can they go to find out more about your program and to donate? So it's the name of our organization, readyforlifebrevard.org. And you'll see the services that we have. They also have Ready for Life um, in Pinellas. So if you put Pinellas, you'll see they have amazing stuff going on there. We aspire to be uh, their size and uh, have for youth specialists that um, help the youth with their success plans. Uh, right now it's Corey and myself and a troop full of amazing volunteers. Uh, but yeah, both websites are full of information and uh, they, you can donate, you can email us, ask us questions. Um, I so believe in what we're doing. If anybody wanted to try to start their own, I would work with Pinellas County and you could come here as well. Um, I would, I would help you any way I could. That is so great because we do work with, we do have a lot of um, people that listen that are service providers as well. So um, I can imagine this resonating with a lot of people. And that was going to be my question is if they could reach out if they wanted to start their own. And hey, we are all about not reinventing the wheel. If somebody else has done it, there's no reason to do it another way, especially if it's been proven effective. So. I am so excited for the work you're doing. I'm going to follow you. I didn't realize how early, how, how much in your infancy you are because of how much you've already gotten done. It's crazy. It's, it's like a freight train and uh, the doors are opened and, it, and they're open for a reason. Um, I'm a spiritual person. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I believe that uh, at the 10 year mark, I was hit over the head with a Mack truck and God said, go do this. It's been on your heart. And uh, it is amazing the people uh, that are coming forward. And it's amazing what you can do with volunteers. And I mean, we started, we get no funding right now, any state funding, nothing. It's completely privately funded by donations. So uh, we've applied for a few uh, grants, small. We've got uh, Dollar General Adult Literacy is helping fund our GED Fast Track program. We've got anonymous donor that's funding our GED Fast Track program. A matching donor um, has pledged 20,000 to match up to 20,000. I mean, this is all coming out of the woodwork. It's you know? amazing when you talk about like, um, you know, you feel like this is kind of your calling and you were hit over the head and now it's like a freight train. I, I totally relate <laughs> because people will have said like with the stable moments thing, they say like, Oh, Rebecca, how did, how did you do all this? Or what? And I was like, I couldn't not do it. It's almost like somebody else is running my hands yes. and legs and, yes. and these connections. Yes. And what's beautiful about that when you feel like you're in that flow is that you can trust that everything you're ever going to need will show up when it's supposed yes. to. And 
and, and it's really easy to kind of live in a constant state of gratitude because you're like, oh, yes. it smokes. This is not just me doing no. this. There, so. It is no way. First of all, I couldn't physically, humanly, it's not possible. I know. Well, I, I really, really applaud your work and thank you for sharing, sharing your energy and your vision with my audience mm -hmm. and let's stay connected yes, for definitely. sure. Okay. Sounds good. Stay healthy. Thank you. You too. COVID free. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank God there are people like Pamela in this world who are doing incredible, incredible work for the foster care population and especially these kids that are aging out. Who knew that there were so little resources and so many obstacles to get those kids these resources and how much can that mean if you're pouring into a kid in their transitional years into adulthood? Just, just think about that. Some of the stats that she shared with us, I mean, 90% of children aging out of foster care have had some kind of run-in with juvenile justice. And that 71% of the girls, of the women aging out of foster care have already had a baby by the time they're 21. That is insane. That means those babies may repeat the cycle. And boy, you know, these women need so much support so that those children in themselves can get the healing that they need and to be set off on the right foot. So Pamela was incredible. I want you to check her out at readyforlifebrevard.org. I will link to that. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with me and letting me be vulnerable at the beginning of the show. I'm still working on my need for external validation. So, you know, if you feel so moved and you liked kind of this new format of the podcast and me kind of coming out of my shell more, uh, if you could go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome. And I will read one of those reviews at the end of the next show. It means a lot to me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around. I will see you next week.